Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. G-A-L-D-E-M G-A-L-D-E-M This song is good. Welcome to another season of Growing Up with Galden. Inspired by our book, I Will Not Be Erased, our stories about growing up as people of colour. My name is Charlie. I'm the editor-in-chief at Galden. We're an award-winning company committed to platforming the voices, perspectives and the creative work of women and non-binary people of colour. I'm Natty Kasimbala. I'm a writer and former editor and long-time contributor at Gaudem. Each week we invite guests to respond to old diary entries, letters or text messages from their younger selves. The point is to nurture important discussions about growing up. You can find Growing Up With Gaudem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome. It is such an honour to have the real breaking rap heavyweight Sampa Tembo, known globally as Sampa the Great, on the show today. Born in Botswana of Zambian heritage, Sampa moved to Australia as a young adult and quickly established herself within the Melbourne music scene. She is a rapper, a poet, and a songwriter. In 2016, she released Heroes Act Two, a collaboration with Estelle and Raki. She's won four ARIA awards was named BET's Amplified Artist of the Month and became the first musician ever to claim the prestigious $30,000 Australian Music Prize title twice in their career. She's also worked with Estelle, Chronix, The Avalanches and many, many more. On her 2020 debut album, The Return, Sampa did not mince her words. Across 19 tracks, she calls out Australia's problematic music industry, puts out a powerful message of self-love and reclaims her cultural identity making a physical and spiritual return to the places she was born and raised. So yeah, I think we're all just so excited to have you on the show with us. And we've just been talking about how incredible your recent Tiny Desk was and all of that amazingness. So yeah, I just wanted to kick off with that and talk a bit about how that felt and how that was pulling it together. 
it was so beautiful you know with the pandemic it's been really hard because you know all the shows got cancelled and everything and it was kind of a thing for me i'm based in australia but obviously not from there and coming back home to see my parents it was like okay if i go back to australia what am i gonna do i don't have any shows there things are kind of slowing down and everything's getting locked down this was mid last year and so i came back home you know, just without any goals, really, I wasn't going to do nothing. <laughs> it's like, okay, let me go home, make sure my family is okay, because obviously it's global, pandemics affecting everybody. And then out of nowhere, we started getting offers. We started getting a live show offers, and I had left the band that I had played two years with back in Australia. And, you know, I knew a couple of guys from home, and I knew some musicians, but we had never played together. I was like, let's give it a chance, let's give it a go. And we started rehearsing and Black August last year was kind of our first thing that we did together. And then from there, it was kind of known that it's possible to do this at home. Like it was always the end goal to come back home, do the studio stuff, perform, but never really like a short term thing because I knew it would take a lot of work, but the pandemic kind of fast-tracked everything and now I found myself performing at home doing live shows at home which is amazing but yeah NPR came through and I was like this is crazy what we're gonna do we were gonna do it last year when the album came out but we pushed things along and it was just like this is a really important performance I know I want to do this in Zambia because I'm here I'm at home it's around what the album is about and I guess I could do it with the same group of people I've been doing this with. But we wanted to make it special. So we ended up finding a library in Lusaka. That's the capital city of Zambia. And my cousin Tio ended up like designing the whole library. It was literally a fam fam thing. We got his partner to create our outfits. And we got oh, the outlandish amazing. long dress. <laughs> And because she's as extra as me, she's like, yeah, make it longer. And I'm just like, I'm literally <laughs> going to be sitting like, she's like, yeah, we're going to wrap it around the chair. I was like, this is perfect. And then she created this huge slit, which my mom wasn't too happy about. But anyway, we got the band together <laughs> and we just started practicing. And from the word go, I could see that it meant a lot because this was at home and it was with a band who was from home. And a band that looked like me and, and, you know, nothing to take away from the bands that I've played with, but this really hit different. And I think, you know, we wanted to mark the occasion by doing um, a different version of Moana. And, and you hear that in the performance. It's literally the home version of Moana with Kalindula, which is a style of Zambian music. Like we literally remixed it. And yeah, we were like, we're really going to go out here on this global platform and represent ourselves as Zambians. And it felt right. It felt really whole. Yeah. And doing it in our Chitenge outfits, like our cultural outfits was something. And it was really big. And it was just important for us to show that we can do this at home too. And just as good as anyone anywhere else in the world. And I think we, we accomplished that. And after the performance, we were all so proud of ourselves. And yeah... It, Even it in the really... comments and like on the thread oh of the YouTube God. video, it's just like Zambians. Zambia representing. <laughs> yeah. And also it wasn't your sister part of the yeah, one she of the was. singers as well. And she was so nervous. I don't even, I'm not sure Mwanji has watched the full, <laughs> the full performance yet. Because oh. she gets so nervous and she's just like, you know what? I was there. I did my part, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think she's actually watched the full performance. But um, yeah. She was there. Both of my cousins were there. It was really like a family thing. And we were just proud of, of what we pulled together. Gorgeous. But yeah, I was really interested in what you said, sort of speaking of sort of a homecoming of sorts and your relationship with Zambia. In the past, you've kind of spoken about becoming the diaspora and, you know, you moved to Australia. And I don't know if you'd describe it as a distance, but I guess just that separation from perhaps your culture back home. And I wondered if you kind of still feel the same, like, do you still feel part of the diaspora? Do you feel like you've reclaimed parts of your identity and your heritage in that way? I definitely feel like with connecting with the diaspora, I felt like I'm stepping into something that I'm not necessarily really a part of because I know I was raised here and I just happened to go to Australia to be based there. I have the privilege of coming back 
which a lot of my friends don't have that same privilege. So in feeling like I was away from home and disconnected from home, I got to hear more stories of people who actually can't go home. And so I was stepping into that world knowing fully that I'm quite a part of that world, but feeling somewhat the same things that everybody does feel when they're part of, you know, the diaspora and they feel like they don't belong in one place, but they're in other place where they were raised. And so coming back has definitely filled that. It's filled that hole, especially doing my my new project at home. That's just, that's another topic. <laughs> that's another interview when that comes out. <laughs> <laughs> new music is it? <laughs> yes, a, a new album. I'm doing a new album. I think I've I have I've said this before. Carl Ooh. texts me and he's like, "What are you?" I have said this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a whole new project, and majority of it has been done in Zambia, and just that in itself to me is just it's filled the hole because I get to now express myself as an artist in the country I was born in with surrounded by my country people and it just feels whole. So a bit of that has been filled and a lot of the doubt has been filled, but obviously there's still more because I'm in Botswana currently and this is the place I was raised. So, you know, with me in Mwanje, it's spending more time at home. It's it's speaking more of our language. It's, you know, we had two months in Zambia just now. We, we came back to Botswana, but we're going again. And it's really just relearning and teaching ourselves of the things that, you know, we missed from being raised here. So a bit of that is still there in terms of not fully feeling like one thing. But as far as the the overall thing where you actually can't go home or, you know, you've never stepped foot in your ancestral home. I feel like I moved. That's not even a room that I've stepped into and privileged enough to not even be in that room, to be honest. Hmm. And then I was going to ask on the flip side in terms of your move to Australia and you obviously have in the past called out, you know, like the Australian music industry and just talking about the inequalities that that whole country deals with. So I guess I wanted to just ask, like, how has it been kind of navigating that space as like an African rapper in solidarity with the indigenous people of Australia? Yeah, for me, always it's to know when to lend your voice and to know when is the time to use your platform. Because I myself know how angry I get when people start speaking for me or speaking on something they haven't lived, regardless of if we are both black. And you're definitely stepping on somebody else's land. You're stepping into a community that's already been built before you arrived. So for me, it's always been an honest and clear communication. And there's always been communication, even on things like festivals on land that hasn't been seeded or how do I go about. There's always people I call to make sure that communication is clear. But again, it's always um, making sure when you do use your platform, you're uh, amplifying the voices of indigenous people rather than, you know, speaking over anybody because you know how that feels and you also know that it is not your land, <laughs> you know. So for me, that's been a constant communication. I'm glad to see there's more representation in terms of seeing more indigenous faces on Australian media, but I think we are slowly stepping past that and going into the ownership territory because uh, representation seems to be a trend now. Everybody wants to put a a black face on each black squares. We did it. And it's just like, oh, don't. yeah, bro, that we literally, I'm so sorry. It was a really <laughs> traumatic time last year. And uh -huh. even with just, you know, the Arias and the music industry in Australia itself still has a long way to go. And there's many things that have triggered me and many traumas that I've lived past from being an Australian and being here has just, even just a breath of fresh air to just, you know, express myself wholly and, and remember how that's like without being like, okay, if I say this, then, you know, Sampa started something radical, this or that, and the third, just to be able to breathe and be like, oh, wait, this is how it feels like to just express, right? And not have to think of all these different things or to do something and not have to think, how am I being an ambassador to a whole race of people? So there's ways to go. But um, as of now, I literally like 
threw everything into that question, but uh, there's a clear communication between me and wherever the First Nations people and even the the Zambian people who've been in the industry, you know, myself coming into the industry now, it's just like, hey, you weren't in this industry where we were literally, you know, putting this and that together. And even though you're helping build it, remember that there are people who came here before you and always like paying respects to uh you know the older generation of zambian uh, musicians who've cleared the way for for me so that's regardless of any space that i walk into is to is to make sure that that communication is there yeah 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 it's like learning your history and showing solidarity, solidarity. in the same breath i think yeah 100%. and also i'm glad that you've been able to find some peace in sort of going home for a while and yeah and yeah, not having to feel like an ambassador because what a role yeah but moving swiftly on this <laughs> we would love it if you wouldn't mind reading us your extract which i think is a poem from around three or four years ago and it's really beautiful so we can't wait to to hear you articulate it for us. I should have like prepared it. <laughs> I knew I was <laughs> gonna read it, but I didn't prepare it. Let me just grab it real quick. The power of the word. Words are like art. Sometimes I misuse them. I treated them like trend and got to the point of carelessness. Didn't care who I offend. Didn't care the weight they carried for someone as privileged as me and spilled a cup of foolishness that made me lose my chi. It's funny, I did not care for the flower pots I drowned, but when said aloud, my stupidity proud, the mirror I had found, I was reacting and drowned. The words someone once hurled to me were drowning me. In fear, word vomit spoken was an endless cycle of misfortune I can't stop writing, using words. These days I've been careful. Where I live, even my breath is political. I often speak less. Using words these days I've been careful. Not so much of fear of what people think, but how many flower pots I will sing. Thank you so much for reading that for us. Already there's so many of the themes that we were just talking about, like popping up in there but I wondered if you could just start by telling us a bit about what inspired you to write the piece because it feels like an outpour of sorts you know if I can remember clearly this was maybe two years into my introduction into the Australian music industry um I was quite overwhelmed because just coming in it was just like okay I don't even know if I'm going to do this music thing. Started doing it, started gaining traction, getting attention, and then more so reintroduced to racism, but on the industry, the music industry level. And it got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm about to navigate this huge thing, and I don't even know what to do, you know? And it just went from rage to just bitterness of I know I'm good at this thing, but I'm not giving being given the same opportunity as my white counterparts to just, I'm going to say whatever, you know, this is rap. Yeah, let's say the ego stuff. Let's curse some people out because, you know, at the end of the day, y'all don't care anyway. And it just got to the point where I definitely felt like I was misusing my words or bitterness was coming out more in my poetry. And I actually kind of just paused for a minute with just writing because I was like, if I keep writing this way, it's very careless, you know? I, I may say something that discourages someone or I may say something that hurts someone and I know I'm not necessarily right now using my talents with everything balanced in my right, you know, where, where you know that I know my purpose, I know I'm using this right, I know everything's balanced in me, there's no insecurities popping up, taking hold of the way I'm expressing. And at that moment in time, I knew that that wasn't the case. And it got to a point where I just had to step back and be like, I don't think I'm going to say anything right now because I might say something that may drown the flower pot. And referring to myself and everybody else as flowers and, and knowing because I was drowned, I may drown someone else. Or, you know, because I'm careless with my words right now, I may affect someone in a way, you know, that's detrimental to them, especially with the platform that I have. And 
I know I'm just being introduced to the hurdles that I'm facing in the industry, but they have no, like, that's not their fault. They have no, they don't know what's going on. They don't know, you know, the, the struggles I'm facing and, and they don't need the back end of that. So, yeah. So presumably it wasn't so much about like, you know, not calling the music industry out when it needed to be called out. It was more about making sure that you did it in a in a way that was actually like effective or or wasn't just from a place of bitterness or it was not even towards the music industry mm. this was solely towards the community to be honest oh, with the music so industry cool. i knew i don't care if it's soft or hard like i'm gonna tell you <laughs> what i'm going through yeah. because i yeah, can't yeah. be on the other end as a black person feeling all oh and then you're just chill and comfortable no way but this was towards the community and at that point it was your huge inspiration to me. Here's some of my poems, or he, here's this and here's that. And it's just like what I'm facing right now, what you're about to walk into oh, is really hard, right? And the ramifications of me as an African woman coming at this at this angle is all the closed doors I'm receiving or all the backlash or, or, you know, I'm getting the same festivals like four or five times and I know... My band and myself are as talented as everyone doing headlines right now. And it's just turning into, oh, I can see what's going on. I can see there's a blueprint here and I'm not part of that blueprint and I'm reacting in bitter. Right now I'm reacting in bitter and if you come to me, you may get a bit of that bitterness. I'm reacting to my industry right now. And I was just very cautious of how my response to my community would be. I wanted to ask the question then on the back end of that, when you were coming, I guess, through the other side, how did you feel like it was best to use your voice? Was it a case of saying, you know, okay, I, maybe I'm not going to express the negativity that I'm experiencing, but I'm going to try and it seems like the music that you've created on the other side of that is one of empowerment and kind of trying to bolster and prepare people and strengthen them in their own belief of themselves. 100%. But I still think I am calling out rubbish. <laughs> I just feel like it wasn't really going to affect the expression just in terms of if you needed to hear this loud and boldly, you were still going to hear it loud and boldly. I feel like the main thing that came out of that time was me understanding that this is not a fair playing field that I'm on and knowing that I really had to really had to navigate and so reacting in that was just, okay, more work. Oh, this just means more work. Wow. Or, uh, you know, the bitterness that came from, I may dedicate my life to this in this country and not see the fruits of that. So that's me just coming to terms with the journey that I was about to take, basically. And even if it was worth it, because again, I'm foregoing being at home with my family. You know, I finished my degree to start in this industry here be it this industry is a bit more not even a bit it's more um it's more put together than the industries at home they have more experience and so on like i'm benefiting as well but i know that i'm foregoing being at home foregoing being with my people being with my family because i'm about to take this journey on and i think at that current moment this poem is a snapshot of me reacting to the journey i'm about to take preparing myself and also making sure that I'm not affecting anyone negatively with this. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. And it's nice that you were able to, you know, write it for yourself in that way. Has that been a feature of your life up until that point? Do you often like try and encapsulate those moments 100%. of maybe turmoil and yeah. you know, lead yourself down a path? Yeah, because I think I react to life through music. Like these are diary excerpts for real, for real. And if there's moments where I'm like, I literally can't express myself because this, that, and the third, it will turn into a song or into something that's just not released or in the notes just to come to terms with why I'm feeling. It's always been kind of therapeutic for me to write things down. So this definitely is how I deal with life is, is music. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And then I guess I wanted to talk about one of the lines specifically, which was the, these days I've been very careful where I live, even my breath is political, because I think it's something you touched on before and I think it's a really potent statement. And I wondered, like, if that's something that you still find yourself feeling today, does it still feel true? And Um, what does it mean? Yeah, I 100% still find it true. If it's not in one area as an African, it's in another area as an African woman. So there's always, you know, different layers as to how I'll find just my life in general, me being alive as something that is political. And for me, that statement simply meant, you know, just being a black woman in Australia is a political thing. You don't have to be saying anything, you know, towards white supremacy, towards the patriarchy to be seen as oh, you're political but you yourself as a black woman is political and it's really hard to go through life being oblivious to that so anything else added for example my bitterness or anger towards someone will be seen as an angry black woman so if for me it was even more so a caution to myself than anything you know I'll react to people in drowned you better, you know, be cautious of that because even your breath is political. Even when you're not putting any action towards anything or saying anything, you're already seen as a political being. So everything else is added to that is is what I was trying to touch on. Mm. And just to link it back to something I think you talked about earlier in terms of the diaspora experience versus that of someone who's, you know, born and raised in majority black countries. How soon did you realise that kind of new space that you inhabited when you went to Australia was that like a oh wow this is this is different because <laughs> I, I find that that's that's the case a lot in terms of like yeah. just how race plays out in countries yeah. where it's it's a given versus where your race is seen as this huge statement exactly. especially when it's somewhere as homogenized as Australia yeah I think I had a bit of a head start because I did go to the states before and that was the huge culture shock that was oh, the yeah oh my God, I have to go back home. (laughs) Ouch, I need to leave. (laughs) This is hectic. I need to leave. You know, you look back at it now and I know the pain that I went through and the trauma, but I know that this Sampa wouldn't exist without that. 
as much as everyone has that experience where they awaken to how the world really sees us as African people. And it needed to happen. But I feel like that precursor kind of got me ready for what Australia would be like, but not on the psychological level at all. Because the thing with racism in Australia is very hidden under the rug. It's very um, micro. You know, it's there in a big way, obviously, when you talk about First Nation stuff and stuff that is in your face blatant. But the stuff that isn't, and that's where it really gets you. Because you're playing a psychological game with, I know this is racist. You're saying it's not. I can see that it's racist. And then it's yeah. this whole psychological Am I game. going crazy? Exactly. It's really mental and and. That's why it's important for us to be in communities and discuss therapy, especially as young black artists, because it can really go downwards. It can really, you know, do that. But uh, I think for me, within the first year of being in Australia, I understood while stepping into, because there's a lot to do with assimilation, especially as a uni student. As soon as you are... you enter Australia telling you how to say McDonald's, Maccas, or you, 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 they give you a full list. Yeah, this is how we say things here. This is how we say things here. And, What? You know, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or uh, you, this is during the international, um, you know, they have international students come for their own sort of opening oh. day. Yeah, and, and for yeah. me, it was just like, this is an assimilation class. Because you just could yeah. see slowly how, you know, they're trying to get wow. you ready for the culture. And there were days, you know, I'd come to school with like traditional outfits and just like eyes. And what's, what's happening? And there'll be days that I'll come with normal quote unquote clothes and they'd be more talking or more, you know, it was easier to talk to me when I didn't have my culture on display or when I look like an Australian. And, and those had little messages within them. And, and I got that pretty early on. And I'm like, okay, this is where we are. Yeah, no, for sure. You spoke about the importance of community, especially for young black artists. And I'd really love to hear more about the people that you're yeah. in the community with at the moment. Oh my like, gosh. And, and what that's been like. Right. <laughs> I'll always say Still Nomads saved my life. Still Nomads is a Melbourne group. They, they say they're not active, but everybody else is, still talks to each other. Basically, a group of young creatives based in Melbourne, African creatives mostly, but also people of color, artists really showcasing their work, hanging out with each other, sharing their experiences in Australia. Most second generation, some just came to Australia like myself and literally a little home for young Africans to just enjoy being African together without anything else included. And I remember being in Sydney and I just had a really hard time understanding how it feels like to be an African in Australia. You know, there'd be little Zambian communities here or there, but they'd be really far from me. So I didn't really have a central community of friends that I could talk about all the psychological stuff, the microaggressions happening, just uni and it being weird being the only Zambian in class or talking about certain things in class and everybody's looking at you for the answer and you're like, no, I'm going, you have a book. Like, why am I, <laughs> why am I going to give you the answer? And it's just when I met Still Nomads, I felt like I belonged. And I think that's very important when you feel alone in a place or when you feel like you're experiencing things that you only feel you're the only one you know experiencing and goes back to the psychological things where you can actually talk it out with other people and we'd study like James Baldwin we'd go into books and see the experiences of other black people around the world so it really created an environment for us to understand ourselves as black people in Australia but the struggle of black people globally. And if I hadn't had that, I'd just be lost within Australia. And so that community really helped me, but more so the founders of the community, Arij, Noah, and Samira, like, psh, there were times where I'm like, girls, it's over, I'm done, I'm going oh. back home. <laughs> it's finished, bro, I can't do this. And they were the ones to be like, you can't go anywhere. Like, you literally can do this. Like, if you wanted to start your own label, you could. Those are the thoughts that were not in my mind. Like, anything to do with starting my own label or starting a movement or you can break these barriers, that was not in my... To me, 
the industry was bigger than me. To me, I was walking into something like, how do you guys do this here? Rather than, this is what I'm going to do. And they're the ones who created those thoughts in my mind to see myself as, as important as the industry I was in. And I definitely feel like you need a community of people who are able to affect you positively and just give you that feedback. Because sometimes you need that bird's eye view that you can't get yourself, especially when you're in a new place. So... I definitely needed that community. And with Australia, you know, now you see artists calling out the industry or saying this is racist and so on. But that was just not the case when I started out because yeah. it affected your income, you know. Because a lot of things are owned, you know, by white people in Australia. So you, you call out that venue or that festival, you're never getting booked at that festival again. Or uh, this, that, yeah. and that. You know, it, it's affecting your income. There's not a lot of things that are black-owned where you're like, okay, F y'all, I'm going to go talk to Geldam, it's okay. I'm going to talk to this person that, like, it's fine, we don't need you. It's not a lot of that. So once you do that calling out, you're really affecting your income and your growth. And it's only really now that we're starting to do that without a care. But it needed a whole group of people to be like, nah, this is not right. Yeah, or, for sure. Or, you know, different people of color to just stand together. It's just like, okay, wise, you're from Nigeria. You're First Nations. You're from New Zealand. We are going to come together and be like, we're not playing this festival unless this and that happens. You know, that is the sort of thing that, you know, community inspired. So Yeah, 100%. And I think you mentioned Gaudam, and that is completely right, I think, for a lot of our a lot of us are journalists and certainly when we first started out there was I think a real dearth of ability to call out the journalism industry for their racism and stuff because you felt like you'd be so alone and you'd be ostracized but certainly when I came into Galdem I was always so rogue on Twitter just like if I ever had any issues because I knew I knew the I had this backing of, yeah in it like it was as simple as that so I can completely empathize 100%. and it's really interesting to hear about that growth in Australia and I'm pleased mm. that you had those people who were behind you I think you know there's a whole conversation right now on entertainment versus you know music that sparks something in people touches their lives also because you need both you know you need music that just doesn't make you think too much and just makes you enjoy hanging out with your girls or this that and the third but I feel like we're definitely at a point where we feel a balance is not being met and you can hear people hungry for uh, one than the other but uh, I think it speaks a bit to you know what you do say when you release music or what you do say as an artist and the responsibility that comes from that because sometimes it's very leisurely it's just like yeah I'm just singing this song because you know I make music I'm, I'm a rapper that's what I do and we sort of just let that lead us regardless of how many people will hear that sound or how big your platform is and how it, it will influence other people and I guess that's more so people who don't have that responsibility rather than a couple of us who do have huge responsibilities with what we say where we're not even allowed to have music that just enjoys us for being us or to dance around and this that and the third but for me music has always been and what I say through my music has always been something that I look at carefully before I release it because I understand how Someone can be influenced by your words. Someone can be discouraged by your words. And the kind of power the music holds, especially for the people you're speaking for, indirectly or directly. And that's something that I always think about as I write music. And a thing that I put on myself for every project that I release is there's a level of um, responsibility you have when you release music. So I've put that on myself, you know, and nobody asked me to, but I have. And I think that's just a broader way of answering that question. With me as an individual, even just with my family, we've kind of, we're really careful with the way we communicate with each other, especially when we're angry or or when we're going through something or, you know, Manji has like a line of assignments and we all know, okay, she has assignments right now. She's going to react. How she going to react is, is being really <laughs> cautious, <laughs> cautious with communication, um, because knowing that there are things you can't take back, especially with the people you're most comfortable with, that's the best way to gauge how you react and 
what you can say and what you can't say. And, and with my family, it's definitely a thing of we're not going to bed mad, right? You're going to hash things out so everybody can sleep. Or when you know you're angry, you're in the middle of a conversation, you got to leave because you take don't know what you're going to say. Always and that can affect, you know, you can affect people negatively. You don't know. And there are times where you don't take caution to that and something happens. And, and there have been times where you've lost a friend or it's just created this huge situation out of something that could be so small. And I think that's where you take those lessons and you're like, I will never be in a situation where I'm losing a friend. And I know these are the things I have to work on to make sure that when I'm communicating, I say what needs to be said or not say anything until I can. And I'm a person who I have to write things down. So if you're getting me like this, I don't even know what we're about to say. <laughs> like I literally, like we have to, and I'm, I'm not worried about your form of communication. If your form of communication is sending me a song, writing a, a note and we're not in the same room, I'm down. You know, I was a middle kid. It was really hard for me to communicate because attention went to the youngest or the oldest. I'm just like, nobody can hear me. And I, I, <laughs> I'd always do this thing where I'm, I'm trying to explain myself and it kind of just goes in this circle of stutter and I just don't know what I'm yeah, saying. I and I go in my room and I just, okay, let me write. It's so much easier because you have time to sit down and express what you need to express without emotions taking over. And that became my form of communication and also just mastering how to make sure the emotions don't take over the being. And then there's another level. You're Sampa the Great. How can you say that? It's just like, oh, but I'm human. That's the thing as well. So when there's that platform put on top of being a human being, you have to be careful with the way you say stuff or, you know, the group of people you're talking to and making sure, you know, you really think about your thoughts and me pausing for 10 seconds to me, I don't mind. However that looks is I know that I have to think about what I'm saying before I say it because there's an extra level of, I guess, responsibility because of what I do. I've had some instances where I've been taught big lessons. I'm like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I think I, we all have, we all have. Yeah, And I guess on that note, that brings us quite nicely to one of our final questions, which is, so what advice do you think that you would give to your younger self if you could, maybe the person who was writing that poem, maybe right. your even younger self who maybe was struggling with communication yeah. issues? To my younger self, I'd tell myself not to be afraid of my own voice. I think for me, my journey with my voice has been so interesting. I remember in primary school just being like, why is my voice so deep? Like all the other girls' voices is just like high and pretty and here I present, here I come with my like deep hoarse voice. And as small as that, as not even just liking your voice, like how are you going to trust your voice, even if this is, you know, literally when you don't even like the way it sounds. And so from a young age, it was always... Uh, my voice is too, you know, deep or this, that and the third. And I got used to my voice. I got used to speaking aloud and the strength and power in my voice and, oh, this is how I sound. And from that went to the figurative world of just being like, no, this is what I would do. Or, you know, I'm not afraid to say this because this is my voice. And that lesson really took a long time for me and one of the advice that i'd give to my younger self is to not be afraid of your own voice don't be afraid of your own individual thoughts it's okay if you don't think the same way other people think and you have time to learn you're wrong but uh don't be afraid of your voice at all and i love that you went from that mindset into now literally creating this beautiful world around your voice and you know you've let people into that world as well so yeah gorgeous one final question is what do you think your younger self would think about where you are now yeah. what do you think you would think of what <laughs> you achieved <laughs> we did it <laughs> i oh. think she'd be super proud i think she would be super proud and she's basically who i turn to to make sure that i'm actually doing what my purpose is Whenever I questioned it, I'd be like, yeah, but when I was a younger girl, I would grab the whole neighborhood and have them sing Lion King. And that kind of little girl doing that really knew that she wanted to be an artist. And I owe it to her because she knew before there were any obstacles, before it was like, you can't as an African or you can. 
she was like, I'm going to make you neighborhood kids sing Lion King. Like, this is what we're doing today. And you're going to sing soprano and you're going to sing out like at that young age. So, you know, she's literally been guiding me, if anything. But uh, definitely would be really proud. Like we, girl, we actually did it. We did it. We did it. That's amazing. And I love that anecdote of the Lion King. What a good story. <laughs> Samba, thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a pleasure to have you on. You're brilliant. Your music is fantastic. We're really excited for your new album. Natty is I'm not sorry, Natty. <laughs> <laughs> Her mic's not working. But yeah, we really, really, really appreciate you taking thank the time. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. Come and wait for the new album and for us to do this again. Thank you, everyone. Lovely. I really liked that chat with Sampa, especially towards the end when she kind of went a bit more in depth on just some of those childhood moments and, and thinking about her literal voice and how that's oh going kind of blend through into her career. Like, how interesting is that? Yeah, that made me emotional just to think about the idea of like, yeah, how do you trust what you say if you can't trust the means with which you say it? And how do you like empower yourself to be able to express yourself? which is, yeah, very, it's a tricky question. I think I relate. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell, but uh, I relate. <laughs> <laughs> and then also even the second part of the question, I thought her answer was like so poetic about, you know, your younger self guiding you in the things that you do today. I think in many ways we've like talked to a lot of guests who probably in some way, like maybe implicitly live their lives that way. But to have someone actually yeah. say like, she's the one who teaches me, yeah. I don't need to worry about what she's thinking. Yeah, yeah. No, you're totally right. No one's actually articulated that before, have they? And that's a really lovely sentiment. And I think going back to the, the premise of the podcast and finding out those pieces from your past. Yeah, just the idea that that person, that that you is your little spirit guide. It's quite lovely, isn't it? Quite yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Do you remember what you were like as a kid? I actually don't think I really remember beyond my own feelings. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, I have no idea. It's that thing of like, we've been talking a lot about in the pandemic is like of being perceived and like yeah um, I've no idea how I was perceived by people <laughs> at, at that time like yeah I think I was probably just like a snotty little I was very snotty I know that <laughs> I was always like like in, literally like, snotty yeah oh like, god Charlie yeah yeah oh god those <laughs> are like, like the worst I cleaned, kids <laughs> I know I, as in I would clean myself like obviously but I just naturally had a lot of nasal fluids um, I just produced a lot of mucus <laughs> Well, I think I was cute. I've seen pictures, but like, I think it was cute. really cute. I've seen pictures. You were an adorable baby. What the hell? What like... happened? I know. I know. I get asked it all the time. But yeah, again, I also in the same, I, I, I have like my own perceptions of like things I experienced, but I don't have much beyond my parents. Just like, you just like to sleep all the time. And that Aww. rings true for me, you know? But other than that, I was just like, I threw a lot of tantrums, but only like when I was around people I didn't like or know. And the rest of the time I was very well behaved Aww. from the reports. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Well, yeah, that was lovely. Thanks for hanging out with me, Nay. As ever. It's my pleasure. My pleasure is always, Charlie. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This has been an II Studios production. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can sign up to become a member at gal-dem.com access to exclusive discounts with our favorite brands and partners early access to tickets for galdem events an advanced copy of our annual print issue and so much more make sure you're following us on all major social media platforms at galdem zine for the latest independent journalism or visit our website which is gal-dem.com galdem has a book i will not be erased our stories about growing up as people of color it's available in all good bookstores or online if you loved this episode of Growing Up With Galdem, be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We'll catch you on the next episode. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. 
Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.